Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Sheena. Sheena is the host of the podcast. Tell us what the podcast is. The Dear Mill Family Podcast. Dan, I was a previous guest on the podcast. I believe I have it linked up in the show notes, my episode. Um, It was a while ago. Sheena's been doing this for a hot second. So have I. So it has been a while. So she is a mill spouse since 2009 and still feels like a newbie most of the time. So do I. So do I. I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm the old hat in the room. And then sometimes I'm like, mm, I have no like- idea what's going on right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it really depends on the situation. Uh, so she created this podcast as a way to bring military community together. It can be difficult lifestyle and also very rewarding. She wants everyone to know no matter whether they fit the cookie cutter mold of what a spouse should be. And what is that anyways? It's up to interpretation. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, a lot of people have that stereotypical 1950s housewife, I feel like, <laughs> um, vision in their heads. <laughs> right. Or they don't fit the mold. Everyone should be accepted and made to feel like they belong. There's space enough here for all of us to create and be part of the military community. After meeting her husband in 2007, they moved to Texas three months after getting married. She learned a lot of lessons about what it means to be part of a military community and left a lot of her preconceived notions behind a long time ago. While in Texas, she got her master's in secondary education and became a teacher. Becoming an educator has shaped a lot of her worldview. Currently, she is raising two beautiful rambunctious boys with her husband in Virginia, but not the same part of Virginia that I lived in. No, no, unfortunately not. Although both are huge military communities. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Now where I live, it's not so much. There's like a Navy base, a Navy submarine base, and there is a Coast Guard, I think. So it's really not that big here. Yeah, we've been at bases where it was like, what? There's like nothing and nobody. This is crazy. <laughs> then, yeah. then you come here and it's like we live in the DC area and like you could throw a pebble and somebody would be in the military or connected to the government in some way. So I, yeah. I really like it because then um, they actually do more military discounts here. <laughs> they actually, <laughs> where I lived before, barely anybody did. And I was like, I wonder why. And somebody pointed out to me if they did, they'd be broke because there's so many military people. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but some like small place like this where there's not a lot of military, then it's easier to um, yeah. appreciate that. So Sheena, when you applied to be on the podcast, you talked about your mental health diagnosis. I'd love for you to share what your mental health diagnoses are. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, I have a few different um, diagnoses. So I've had so many traumatic experiences that I've been given a diagnosis of PTSD. And then um, once my son was uh, diagnosed with autism, I really kind of wanted to get in and talk to somebody because I noticed my anxiety was really flaring up. Um, So 
you know, she diagnosed me with PTSD because of my past traumatic experiences, but then she also uh, diagnosed me with just having anxiety and also ADHD, which she gave me all of those uh, diagnoses because the way she put it was a lot of these things have very similar symptoms. And sometimes it can be very difficult to separate what is what, where you got this from, and why you have anxiety. It could be the PTSD. It could be that you've just, you know, you are predisposed to having anxiety because you're, you have family members with anxiety. And I do, I have family members on both, um, you know, my mom's side and my dad's side that have mental health um, issues and diagnoses. So it's hard to, again, separate out is this because of those traumatic experiences or is this because it's a family history or is this because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting journey. I've been in and out of therapy for mm, probably six years mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Five or six years. So I'm, you know, it's nice to get answers about, I knew I had PTSD, but other things, it's nice to get answers, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you really don't have answers. Right. <laughs> like, why am I this way? Why can't I just have things like be quote unquote normal? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why does it have to be this difficult for me to do these things? Why can't, you know, cause on the outside, it looks like other people have, um, an easy time of doing things or, right things are effortless for them, but who knows, maybe they have a really difficult time too. I don't know because I'm not in their head <laughs> in this, in this crazy brain right here. <laughs> right. No, I understand too. We, um, we just recorded a podcast episode right before I hopped on with you and we were talking about how, why, why is it so difficult to maintain baseline when you have mental health issues? Like, and does everybody else have this hard of time to like maintaining baseline? I'm like, we don't know because we're not in other people's heads. So maybe everybody has a struggle, but then you talk to some people and some people, it just seems effortless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, or like you um, try to express to somebody your own anxiety about something and, and, they don't really see it as big of a deal as you see it, right. you know, and they're like, Oh no, it's fine. It's normal. And I don't know, those comments kind of really get under my skin sometimes because, you know, no, it's, it's not fine because I have anxiety. <laughs> so <Right. it> spirals. <laughs> so that's, I have to like get ahead of it. <laughs> that's how I feel about school. I was posting on Facebook, like I have so much anxiety around school. I'm so anxious about, you know, it coming up. And I had an, I was on the verge of an anxiety attack the week before school, just thinking about it. And people are like, you got this. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, you don't understand <laughs> what is going on in my head right now. Like I'm catastrophizing everything, everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to walk into the room and walk into the wrong room. Like mm -hmm. what if I can't find my class? What if I can't make it from one building to the other on time? Like all of these things that are completely ridiculous. And one of my professors, the second day of class moved where our class was. It gave me so much anxiety. I was like, oh my gosh, now I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Like I need to find this place and then I need to make sure I can get from this place to this place. And yeah, it was just so much. And, and the average person is just like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. And I'm like, 
I can't explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain to you how I'm living in my own head. Like <laughs> it's impossible for me to explain it to you. Right. And even when I'm like explaining things to my therapist, I feel like a complete, like I just feel verbalizing it that I sound super crazy. And of course she is like, very uh, validating and she, um, you know, is very gentle and she leads me through a, a logical way of a more logical way of thinking about a situation. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's kind of like, gosh, what do people think about me when I say these things? Because they must think I'm like some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just, Insane individual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to complete that job. <laughs> no, I feel the same way. Um, so I'd love for you to share with people what were some of the symptoms that you were showing that made you, that prompted you to go and seek out help? So um, it was a couple of things. It was. feeling like not necessarily like a suicidal thoughts, but just thoughts of escaping, like just leaving and not wanting to, um, not feeling up to the job of parenting my own children, really just feeling kind of like I'm not a good mother for them. Like they deserve a life without me in it. Not necessarily like I wanted to, die. It was more of, I didn't want to continue ruining their life. <laughs> yeah. And I recognized like, hmm, that's not healthy thoughts. <laughs> and so there was that, but there was also just a lot of pressure of getting my, um, son set up with, uh, all these different kinds of therapies and, um, I feel like the area that we live in, which is, um, I've already said the DC area, but I feel like the area is very overachiever and you have to have all of your ducks in a row. It's very type A. You have to have everything exactly, you know, all the boxes checked off and, and military life in general can be like that. Mm -hmm. Um, other, I, I think it's well-intentioned, but I think other military spouses can kind of put pressure on each other about getting things done a certain way and making sure you get into a certain school or a certain sports program or, you know, and it's kind of, it's, it can be overwhelming, especially for somebody like me. And so not being able to achieve some of those things, my perfectionism really started like ramping up. And then I started having those thoughts about wanting to, to kind of leave. And then, um, just not feeling like I wanted to do anything that I normally do, not wanting to socialize, not wanting to, um, get out of bed in the morning, even though I would, I would get out of bed. I would do what I've, whatever I needed to get done. But as soon as like my kids were asleep at night, like 
I was in bed. Like I was done for the day. Like I just didn't want to do anything enjoyable. I didn't want to do yoga. I didn't want to sit on the couch and watch stupid television with my husband. I didn't want to go for a walk with the dogs. Like I just did not want to do anything. And I think it was depression and it was a depressive episode for sure. But I listened to probably way too many podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same. I have way, I have to like start like, no, do I really want to listen to this episode and like deleting episodes? Because I'm like, I don't have time to listen to all of these. So now I pick and choose mm-hmm. like, is this relevant? Is this something that's going to help me with life? Same. Uh, because I just, I just have way too many podcasts and I can't keep up with them. But I don't want to unsubscribe because I've no. heard really good things from them. And so I'm like, right. yeah, pick and choose. Exactly. Um, I listened to a podcast called, um, oh, so I went and got help from like, you know, the military facility here and told her like my concerns about having ADHD and having a lot of anxiety. And she, you know, she suggested listening to podcasts because that's something I do like to do, um, and finding podcasts about that. And I was like, okay, you know, that's probably I don't know why I didn't think of that myself, but yeah. So anyway, I found a really good podcast um, called Self Work with Dr. Margaret Rutherford, and she talks a lot about perfectly hidden depression, which I Mm. think is part of how I was feeling at the time. Yeah. So you go on with life and do go through the motions, but you are depressed. So a lot of people think of depression as, you lay in bed all day. You don't get up and do all these things, right? And that's not true for everybody. There are people who, you know, depression affects them that way. And then there's people that they go through the motions of life and. Yeah, that's me. It doesn't completely show. <laughs> yeah, that's me <laughs> when I'm depressed. <laughs> but I think that's a lot of people. Like, I think right. a lot of people are like, well, I still need to, to take care of my kids. I still need to do, go to work. I still need to do this. You know what I mean? And it's right. not necessarily enjoyable for them. They are just doing it because they have a sense of commitment. Um, yeah. They don't want to let people down. And that's not always a healthy way of thinking about things, right? <laughs> no, completely. I'm, I'm one of those people, just like you described, is I will do the things. Now you can usually tell that I'm depressed, like if you're near me, because I don't have any emotion and motivation to do extra things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If any any extra energy or effort, like I just I don't I don't have it. I don't have any extra energy or extra effort for you. <laughs> yeah, beyond like the basics, like I'll get up. I may or may not brush my teeth. <laughs> how much motivation I have. I'll get up. I'll make sure the kids get up and go to school. I'll go to school. I'll even go to school myself, but the motivation will be like to do anything beyond like just the mundane, like everyday thing. Like even brushing my teeth sometimes is beyond that. Like that. I won't even do that. I'll just, just go. And like you said, go to bed early, like not really function, not really like 
read beyond like school or watch TV or, you know, even have a conversation with my spouse. I just kind of shut down. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how I was, how I was feeling too. Like not, not vested in any kind of relationship. Right. Like I just, I didn't, I was isolating myself a lot probably. And, you know, you try and put on a, a mask and I never fully understood it until I went through that like depressive episode when people said you put on a mask. Now I completely understand it. Yeah. You like smile and you Mm -hmm. pretend like you're fine on the outside, but on the inside, like you don't want to be there. You don't want to, you know, you procrastinate, at least I procrastinate about doing things. Um, Like I just, I don't, I didn't want to be involved with anything. And so for me, and I know this is, this can be sometimes controversial for everybody, but uh, for me, my therapist suggested getting on medication, at least to Mm -hmm. help me through that episode. I'm Um, on meds. I'm on meds. (laughs) I don't think there's any kind of shame in admitting that you have to take a medication to help you. Right. If it's, if it's helping me feel better and it's helping my family environment, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't I do it? Like, right. I, I don't want to hurt, not hurt my children, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't want them growing up in a, in a. Without their mom thriving, without their mom being like the best (laughs) person she can be. Yeah. Because in some ways that's how I grew up. My parents weren't always the best that they could be. They were always anxious themselves and stressed and had a lot of things going on. And, you know, that's, I think if I can help my kids from growing up like that, I want to, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help the situation so they don't grow up in that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah. Both my parents have mental health issues untreated to this day. I'm almost 100% certain my dad's bipolar, much like I am, except he might be type one. My mom definitely has depression. She may have more. My therapist thinks that she might be bipolar as well. And so all these untreated mental health issues cause like my mom overdosed when I was a kid and I found her on the floor. You know, those kind of things that stick with you, like even as an adult where you're just like, oh my gosh. And I always say my kids are my buffer. Like you're never going to, my kids are never going to find me like on the floor like that. Like I just could Mm -hmm. never do that to them because I know how Mm -hmm. traumatic that was for me. So I understand, you know, my parents had mental health issues as well. And it's really hard. You don't want to be that parent to your kids. You just don't. Mm -mm. I, I, I don't want them to have to grow up the way um, I grew up at times. I'm not saying that there weren't good times. Right. Of course there were, but unfortunately, I, refer, I remember a very stressful environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I laugh just because it's kind of, I don't, I don't want to go down a dark hall. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. We laugh because it's like you look back and you're like, I'm a parent now and I can't even understand why exactly. it would be like this. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I started medication and it was just a world of difference. Like I could not believe how big of a difference it made. And I was 
I could find joy in things again, you know, and I had some people say that they, they had been on medication before and they didn't like it because, um, you know, they just didn't want to be on anything extra and they wean themselves off of it. And, and that's great. I think for some people, you know, maybe you only need it for a little bit. Maybe right. something else is helpful for you. That's great. You know, but this is my journey and this is what I want right now. And maybe in the future I will feel differently and want to wean myself off of it and see how I do without it. But for right now, I think this is the best course of action for me and my family. (laughs) No, I agree. And uh, for, I think there's so much shame and judgment around medication. Um, Like I try to tell people they're like, Oh, just slather yourself with some essential oils or something. And I'm like, essential oils have their place. Okay. Yeah. I love them and I use them pretty regularly. However, and they do help with my anxiety because my anxiety isn't to where I need meds for my anxiety. Um, There's there. Sometimes it gets pretty high, but uh, usually I can bring it back down. Um, but for being bipolar, like that's something I'm going to be on medications for the rest of my life for. I can't, that no essential oil out there is going to make me not be bipolar. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, and like schizophrenia, um, schizophrenia runs in my family. I mean, I haven't been diagnosed with that, but you can't, I don't think schizophrenia is cured by an essential oil. Like I do think essential oils affect your mood and they can be very helpful to help you fall asleep at night and, and other things. But I think there is a point where they, you need something else Mm -hmm. to help you. You need something else. And uh, I just, I loved the feeling of being on and you know, still, I love the feeling of being on medication because I just feel so engaged in life again. I find joy in moments with my children, whereas before it felt kind of almost like everything was a chore with them, yeah. you know, and just trying to keep everybody moving somewhat in the same direction <laughs> and um, making sure that they had all the things all the time every day. Now, which is exhausting. It's exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But now I feel like I can actually slow down and enjoy things and not worry about this, that, or the other. And I, it's very freeing to get that load off of my back of this and this and this and this and this and this this needs to be done. All these boxes need to be checked. And probably most of that pressure I was putting on myself anyway. But I do feel like the area we live in is very high pressure. (laughs) And for somebody like me, um, it's not a good environment. I don't thrive in that type of high pressure environment. (laughs) Same, same. I'm a very like laid back kind of person. When uh, that was one of the reasons I didn't like being a life coach um, was because there was so much pressure to do be and um, had things a certain way. And I just didn't feel comfortable being like that. Like that was not my thing. Like I am very laid back. Like I didn't feel right. Like messaging people like, you know, like, Hey, do you want to blah, 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 blah. Like it, it just never felt right to me or even to like, try to sell myself to other people. Um, cause I just, I don't like, even with the podcast, it's mainly organic how it grows. 
and I share on social media, but I don't feel right like spamming my friends and, and messenger and being like, Hey, you should listen to my podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had a very difficult time just sharing it on my own, like Facebook page for the longest time. Um, just because I felt very, like, it was very strange to be that self promoting right. you know and i'm not, i'm i'm a terrible business person like same, i just same. am a terrible business person i am i i do not have a head for business and that is okay i love doing the podcast i love talking to people about their military experiences i love sharing all the knowledge i just don't like the i don't like the business side of it i wish i could same get better at it. I wish I could, but I wish I had the money to pay somebody to do those things for me. But I don't. Yes. That I mean, would be like, the dream. Run ads and then you can. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't even have the motivation or want to like approach companies and be like, Hey, I know. Do you, you want to run an ad on my podcast? Like I just, I just don't. And, and you know, it's that, that push and that overachiever and that all that stuff that, you know, you see in like these big cities, especially and in the military community where you feel like, I feel like every military spouse I know is like rocking some sort of something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just don't have it. in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I completely agree. Like, it's just, it's just bizarre to feel this way. And I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I'm just tired of the overachiever lifestyle and I'm tired of, and maybe, like I said, I'm putting most of those expectations on myself, right. but hearing little comments from other people, I feel the weight of their expectations at times too, you know, like, and it's well-meaning comments, I'm sure, but like, or they don't even think about what they're saying really is probably mostly what it is, but just saying like, Oh, yeah, I noticed you were late for picking up your son from school and he was looking around and I was like three, Why? four Why minutes late. Right. And it's kind of like, I was like four minutes late. Like I forgot to check the clock. It's not a big deal. It's not like the teacher had to wait for like two hours and they had to call CPS and like right. track me down. <laughs> like it was literally four minutes. Like, why is this, why is this, such a big deal to other people. I don't get it, you know? And so I think the tools I originally got from therapy, from therapy the first time around when I first went through was to be gentle with myself and not judge myself. But it's hard to not judge myself when I feel the judgment of other people at times, you know? Does that even make sense? Oh, yeah. I, it totally <laughs> makes sense to me. I'm like, yes, girl, yes. Because the same thing happens to me. Like, I know. And I preach. Like, I preach about these things. Like, you know, <laughs> you just let other people's judgment roll off of you because it really means nothing about you and all these things. But I still struggle with that judgment, you know. And it, some of it is placed on me, but then some of it is comments other people make you know, about me or what I'm doing or, you know, even like, like things that aren't directly at me, but kind of are about me. You know, I get a lot of judgment about sharing my mental health struggles so openly. Um, I've always, I said to my husband recently, I'm like, I really hope because there's a lot of people on your boat, 
lot of wives off your boat that have been friending me on Facebook that this does not affect you at work that I share so openly about being bipolar. Um, and he was like, who cares? I was like, okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, but to me in my head, I'm catastrophizing what these people are going to do or say, or mm -hmm. how it might affect him. Um, when really you're right. Like, like you said, we should, we should we're taught in therapy to, to like be gentle with ourselves and to not let judgment get to us like that. But it's, it's really difficult. It, it really, it really is. I think, and especially in the world we're living in right now, um, you know, just modern times, like I feel like parenting and being a person is much more difficult in these modern times than it ever has been. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just being silly. No, I agree. It's the only time I've lived in, but <laughs> I feel like parents had a much easier job like a hundred years ago. <laughs> you just had to feed your kids and like give them a place to sleep and you could work them to the bone. It was no big deal. You didn't like, have to worry about their mental health. You didn't have to worry about their emotional well-being. You didn't have to worry about, you know, yeah. Although they probably should have. <laughs> yes, they definitely should have. I'm not saying like don't do those things. I'm just saying <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot more pressure and I think we need to be more gentle with each other because we all have that pressure, whether we want to admit it or not. Like we all feel that have the pressure there to do those things. And some people operate well with pressure and they just let it roll off their backs and whatnot. But I'm, I'm one of the lucky people that it all affects me. <laughs> I guess you could say I'm lucky. Um, so I'm really looking forward to moving to another place in some ways when my husband gets orders. Um, in some ways I'm not just because I know this area has a lot of resources for my son and his autism. Um, and I want to make, I want to give him the best tools possible. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> he does need healthy parents too. Yeah. No, <laughs> like I don't. Agree. Yeah. Yeah, here moving here, even though it rocked my world, and I've said this so many times on the podcast, like I had two like emotional, like mental breakdowns since moving. Um, this was the best thing that could have happened to me because being in a city is too much for me. I need space and I need uh, nature and I need quiet and I need to be able to go out in my backyard and sit and, and just have that time for me and not feel like everybody's looking at me. And I also don't need the fast pace of a city where everything's go, go, go. And all these people are doing all these things and you know, where you feel like you're just not good enough and like, you're just not up to everybody else's level. Mm -hmm. You know, I need a place where like, it's impressive that I'm going to college at 33. Like mm -hmm. I, I need, yeah. I need that kind of place, like to where I don't need to be like going to college, running a business, like doing, <laughs> <laughs> doing all the things, being all the things for everyone. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. When I moved here, somebody is like, Oh, are you going to continue your meetups? So I was like, no, 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 those are done. No, those are done. I don't <laughs> um, mentally, I don't have the capacity. I let them go for so long. Um, even though I was burning out on them, like, because people were looking forward to them and people asked for them. And I kept like reducing how often I did them. And I was like, no, the move was just a clean break where I didn't have to do them anymore. Mm -hmm. As much as they fulfilled a certain role in my life, like 
I have to worry about my mental health. And like you said, be healthy for my kids because I mean, how are they going to have the best mom they can have if I'm not taking care of myself? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> when, but it's, it's two years. So we've got a couple more years. It'll be okay. We'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be okay. And you'll get through it. Cause you're doing the things that you need to do. Are you in therapy right now? Yes, I am in therapy right now. Same. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at this point, like I, I don't foresee stopping at least while we're living here, maybe when we move somewhere else. But um, there's always things that I, like, I, I feel like I never learned, this is going to sound terrible, but I feel like I never learned how to parent. The right way. How, yeah. yeah. How, like, how a parent, like, what a parent actually does, like how yeah. a parent actually looks. Like I'm not saying that my mom and dad did, neglected us and like left us alone for days and right. did nothing for us. That's so not what I'm saying at all. Like I don't think they have the best tools to parent either. Like right. I, I, they went through very traumatic things and it's, it's a miracle that they were able to raise us like they did um, in a very – you know, there was stability. I'm going to give them that there was some stability, but it wasn't as I get older, the, the stability that is quote unquote, the norm, because just in having conversations with people, I'm like, Oh my God, your parents did that for you. Right. Same here. Your, Your parents did wait, your parents like helped you find a job and helped you get an apartment and helped you buy a car and you still go to them for advice like what are you what what kind of alien are you and now I'm beginning to realize like I'm the alien because I've had to do all of those things by myself learning things on my own how to take care of my money how to do this how to do that I, I never got the kind of like coaching, I guess, that you get mm-hmm. from parents. There wasn't coaching, I guess is a good way of putting it. You know, I know they loved me, but I feel right. like I didn't get the same experience that everybody else got. <laughs> no, the same thing happened with me where I look back and I was like, wait, um, so you're telling me that your parents didn't put pressure on you to like, get straight A's. Oh, wait, you're telling me that your parents actually had a healthy relationship and you learned how to have a healthy relationship with other people. Oh, wait, when your parents divorced, they didn't tell you all the dirty secrets about each other. What? All these things didn't happen in your household. Oh, just mine. Okay. I get it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you begin to realize like the toxicity that you were living in and you're, you've, I mean, I feel very self-conscious um, because of that in some ways, but like, I feel like people are like, why does she ask so many parenting questions? Like I talk to people in real life about parenting. I don't usually put parenting stuff on social media. Um, I do sometimes, but I talk to people in real life and they're like, God, just do this. Like, 
like what, like what? like it just comes naturally. I'm like, yeah, and I'm, I'm like, I now. have no idea how to do this with kids. I have no idea what I'm doing. And, you know, it feels good when pe- other people say that too. They're like, I have no idea what yeah. I'm doing most I'm of the so time. I'm so lost. I mean, I'm a 16-year-old and even now I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> You're like, I'm trying every day. That's all I can do. I drive and that's all I- from her job. Like, I, that's, <laughs> that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I just, I find it really interesting that people had, have, like good examples of how to parent. And I'm like, wow, I just feel like I'm out here in the dark with this little flashlight, like trying to right. figure out what the, what a good way to handle this is. And everybody else just seems to get it right away, you know? But I think that again, those people had good examples and that's why they had that modeling for them. So they, they get it. And they feel like they can go back to their parent and get that advice. So anyway, <laughs> that's a, that's a, a lot. I just got real heavy. <laughs> no, you're good. I feel the same way. I, like you said, I love talking to people and be like, Oh, I'm not alone. Okay. Like I, people, <laughs> other people feel like this too. Cause I always say like mothering doesn't come naturally to me. And I think that's mm-hmm. because I never had a, strong mothering figure. Like I'm not saying my mom's not strong. She's gone through a lot of shit in her life. She's definitely strong. Um, but I did not have that role model on how to be a mom. Um, because my mom just, I I don't even want to say she didn't have that because, but my grandmother was sick when my mom was growing up. So she kind of didn't. Um, so, you know, my grandmother Mm -hmm. was really sick and, and my mom, had to kind of bring herself up in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. and so she didn't have that. And so then she didn't know how to, and of course didn't has untreated mental health disorder or disorders. And so was really just trying to keep her shit together. And so my sister and I kind of now, again, I'm, I'm just like you, there were times that my parents were great parents. Like I'm not at all saying my parents were most horrible people the whole time. I'm just saying like, for the most part, they didn't show me how to be a parent and, and take care of my kids. Yeah. They, uh, they didn't give you all the tools. They gave you maybe a toolbox and a hammer. <laughs> right. They taught me how not to be a parent. And there that. you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Sheena, we are coming to the end of our time for the podcast. It goes by really fast. Um, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? I would like to leave the audience with knowing that it's okay to get help. It's okay to take medication. Just do what you need to do. Like, don't care. I know it's easy for me to say that right now. And I should probably take a lot of my own advice (laughs) most of the time, but it's easier to give advice to other people than it is to take it yourself. Definitely. I'm just saying, but recognize that, you do need help and take that step. Take it, be brave and take it. You won't regret it. 
Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree with you. As I feel like I've been agreeing with you so much on this episode. I'm like, <laughs> yes. But I mean, that's the one thing that I hope the more mental health stories that I share is that people can see one, there's a variety of ways that people may treat. Now, like you said, you don't see an end in sight for therapy. Well, where some people, it might just be a couple years and they're good to go. I thought I was good to go when I moved from Virginia. And then what do you know? I wasn't. And now I'm back in therapy, which there's no shame in that. That's um, as we're recording this, which will be like several months before, like um, after, before we actually air it. um, I just aired an episode that said mental, mental illness is not a weakness. Because I think a lot of times we think that we're weak or that there's something wrong with us because we're experiencing these things. And it's like, no, there's a variety of reasons why genes, trauma, like genes and trauma, like there's so many different reasons why we have these mental health disorders. It doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us less than taking medication does not make you weak or less than. And it's really important that you find the right mixture. Now, I really want to stress people, please don't go to your primary care physician and have them diagnose you because they're not trained to do that. I feel, like too, I feel like too many people do that and then they end up on the yeah. wrong meds and get fucked up. Or they get told like, no, that's not a problem. You're just looking for medication. Right. <laughs> like, go, to a, go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist, somebody who can actually like diagnose you with a mental health problem and then take that diagnosis to your doctor. Because right. once you have that diagnosis, like your doctor's like, oh, okay, well, let's see what is going to be the best thing that's going to work for you. Um, I, Because I, I have heard that story before when people are like, oh, I went to my doctor and they were like, oh, you're just looking for medication. You're fine. Right. Like you don't have a problem. No. And I actually did go to my doctor first and she was like, the best way to do this is to go find a therapist, oh, somebody who can good. diagnose you. Yeah. <laughs> I had the opposite issue. Mine just gave me some (laughs) medication. And when I came back and said it was making worse, not better, she told me that I was lying. And I was like, no, and come to find out it's because she gave me depression medication. I'm bipolar. So I needed a mood stabilizer. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But she didn't mean she didn't tell me to go to a therapist, which is probably the thing she should have done. Yeah. Well, and that's one benefit I think of living in a, in a, gigantic city is that you do have access to higher quality people, medical people, for sure. I'm not saying everybody's, um, you know, high quality, but I definitely lucked out getting her and telling, in telling me to do that. Um, but I was going to say one more thing and it it just left me. I forgot. (laughs) I'm sure I'll remember it later. It happens to me all the time. Meg, Make sure you add this in there. <laughs> yeah, for me, I do that all the time where suddenly I'm like, okay, I don't remember what I was thinking or what I was going to say, but okay, let's just keep going. I so. promise you it was really good. Like it was a good nugget of information. I promise. <laughs> well, Sheena, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I loved sharing my story and I hope it helps others. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.